You're listening to Faithful Adaptation, an audio series produced by Luther Seminary's Faith Lead, a connection hub for current and emerging faith leaders curious about big ideas and breakthrough practices for ministry. Episode 4 focuses on self-care with Mark Sundby, CEO of LeaderWise Consulting Group. Welcome. My name is Dan Bielenberg. I'm a MDiv student intern at Luther Seminary. I'm going to uh, welcome our uh, our guest today, Mark Sunby, and uh, hand the agenda, hand the microphone over to Dawn. Thanks, Dan. So Mark, uh, Mark and I are colleagues from uh, a Why is back now at this point, and uh, Mark is has, is a um, seasoned therapist. He works with LeaderWise here in the Twin Cities and works a lot with ministry leaders in particular. So Mark and I often talk together about best ways to support our colleagues and ministries and to lead them into health. And he and I were chatting a little bit yesterday in preparation for this. And I was sharing that as I'm on a lot of calls these days, I hear sort of two, two ditches, if I want to call them ditches. I hear pastors uh, that are sort of being uh, leaders, being superhuman and making all the things happen and making all the things happen the way they need to happen in this time of shifting everything. And I hear um, some leaders also wanting to kind of check out that this is sort of in some ways beyond their their knowledge and uh, feeling rather despondent. So I wanted to check in with Mark and see what he might uh, give for good advice to all of us on how to be resilient during this time. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be part of this. I I greatly appreciate it. So we've seen a number of people who are coming to us for anxiety and stress. And as Don mentioned, our focus is on people in ministry, however they define that for themselves, and a large number are clergy. And what happens in this time is that if you have any sort of predisposition or susceptibility to anxiety and stress, this is just exacerbated by all the uncertainty that's there. So that's a big part of what's taken away from people being resilient. And then also the grief with the uncertainty, the ambiguous loss, we don't know what this will mean for the future. And ambiguous loss is a term in psychology that we use Uh, to describe things that lack definition, and everything's ambiguous and uncertain right now. So we're really encouraging people to go back to the basics. Don and I talked the other day, and the research indicates that there's several several practices that can help us with self-care and resilience. And I'll do them in rank order. And, And let me know if you have questions as we go along. But number one, far and away, is social support. And there's a famous research called the Grant Study out of Harvard University. And what they did was they tracked college sophomores of 1938 at Harvard University, and they tracked them across their lifespan. And the number one predictor to both physical and mental health was social support. Number one predictor. It wasn't how much money people made, Uh, the security uh, or stability of their status in life, um, degrees, titles, none of it mattered except social support. And here's the important thing. It's not how many people you have in your network. 
it's that you perceive you have enough. Because introverts often say, well, I like to be alone and that kind of thing. That's not the issue. It's that you perceive that you have enough. In terms of self-care, a lot of us in ministry are giving out so much and being there for other people and connecting as the caregiver. It's really important that we have people in our lives who can feed us as well. So that's a piece of the, of the social support that plays into self-care. So number one, if you're going to do one thing today after this Zoom call, it would be call a friend, call a colleague in ministry, not where you're giving care, but where you can, it can be mutual and you can receive some care as well. And I know a lot of us are trying to do that these days, and yet it's so busy in ministry right now. The need is so great. Number two is exercise. Research time and again shows that this is one of the best things we can do for ourselves. In fact, um, one researcher out of Duke University has said, if I told you that I had a pill that would make you feel better, look better, and be smarter, would you take it? And he said, you know, we already have that. And that is exercise. And the thing about exercise is it's dose dependent. What that means in psychological terms is the more you do it, unless it becomes like a compulsive thing, and that's rare. But for most of us, the vast majority of us, the more you do exercise, the greater benefit you'll experience. So minimum three days a week, 30 minutes a day, right? We've all heard that. Even better, six days a week, 30 minutes a day. It's dose dependent, you'll just benefit. Third item on the list, you know, it's a toss up between nutrition and sleep. And in the last 20 years, we've just learned how critical sleep is. And the research is really clear that that's when it clears out the toxins from our brains and um, helps us restore uh, both mentally and physically. And then nutrition, there's been a lot of research in the psychological literature in the last couple of years about what's called the gut biome. I don't know if you've heard of that. And the bacteria in your gut really matters. And it, it contributes to a healthy immune system, but also emotional well-being. That's the key for psychologists that's so interesting to us, is the emotional well-being piece. And it's just what you've always heard about what contributes to a healthy gut biome. And it's eating lots of fruits and vegetables. And then... Um, What's really interesting, because that's what we talk to um, the general population about, is those items that I just listed. There's research on clergy that is specific to clergy that shows the number one stress buffer, and here's a newsflash for all of us, is spiritual practices. And what I know from working with hundreds of clergy a year is often we'll research and do exegesis for our sermons for Sunday. We'll lead Bible studies. We'll do a lot for other people. And we don't do spiritual practices for our own relationship with the divine, with God. So that's, if you wanted one that was in your wheelhouse that you could start immediately, it would definitely be spiritual practices. So Mark, you and I were talking that in, in times of stress, we like to fall back on what's comfortable and what we often do, which uh, might not be exercise or eating nutritiously. Um, I know 
that at our first our first like grocery run when we thought things were going to be maybe closing down consisted mostly of chips, chocolate bars, other things that my family deemed as being necessary for being contained. But you're asking us to do some different things. So what are some ways uh, for us to build new habits in the middle of a stressful time? Yeah, so there's great research around habit change as well. And one that in the psychological literature, perhaps the most effective for habit change is called implementation intention. And it's, it sounds more complicated than it is. It's simply when A, then B. When it's 10 a.m., I meditate. When it's 4 p.m., I go for a walk. When it's 5.30 p.m., I begin making dinner. And the research is, um, actually, this was published in the late 1990s, and it was published January of, of like 1997, 98. In other words, the beginning of the year, they were looking at people who had made resolutions and how do you help people keep their resolutions for habit change. And they had a couple of examples. If you tell people who've had a cardiac event that they need to exercise, what percentage do you think actually do it? It's like one in four. If you give them the implementation intention, have them identify what that would be for them. Like at four o'clock, I go for a walk. Or at three o'clock, I go to the gym and do the elliptical machine. It goes from one in four to nine in 10. I mean, it really makes a difference. And related to that, even better is to have an accountability partner to check in with you because we can lie to ourselves. But for instance, um, some of you will know this app. I believe it's Strava. Is that the fitness app? So I have my nephew on there and he's 30 and he'll say, Uncle Mark, um, it looks like it's been a few days since you've been to the gym. How's that going for you? Right? I mean, it keeps me completely accountable. And, and uh, he does it in a nice way, right? In a kind way. And yet that's really effective to have a partner. He's in He's in Tennessee, in Nashville, and yet it's really, the miles don't make a difference. Um, he knows what I'm doing. It's very public to him anyway. So, so that's another way is accountability. Yeah, great. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Faithful Adaptation, an audio series from Luther Seminary. Stay up to date on our Faith Lead conversations and see upcoming guests in the series. Join the Faith Lead Learning Laboratory, the social network for Christian leaders to connect and share at faithlead.mn.co. Thanks for joining us.